March hit, we all know this was pandemic. This was closed. You know, everything had closed. All the schools had closed. My work had closed. And what was I going to do next? So I was, I was really quite worried. I won't, won't deny that. I just wasn't sure what I was going to offer and give. I had a lot more time behind the desk, so I connected with people where I could, whether it was through LinkedIn. But I got to know about a lot of people's journey and what they were doing on their roles. But there was still a conflict within me about what do I want to offer? Welcome to Voice in Education, the podcast. I'm Kathleen Kushney, founder of Voice in Education, a senior leader in education, trainer and coach. My mission is to help new leaders and teachers aspiring to leadership become confident in their ability to lead others successfully. Whether you're a new or aspiring leader, this podcast will help you to become confident in your ability to lead others successfully. We discuss key themes in education and personal development and how this can impact educational leadership. Let's move that needle from confusion and overwhelm to clarity and inspiration. In today's episode, I'm in conversation with Priya, a former secondary school teacher and middle leader turned freelance education consultant and entrepreneur. Priya is no stranger to taking risks. With over 13 years experience in education, Priya has used her expertise to train teachers and has also delivered professional development for overseas teachers. Alongside Priya's freelance consultant role as a teacher trainer and advisory role for career changes into education, Priya has worked in parallel for a charity in India using her knowledge to teach and create educational resources, which led her to embark on completing a master's in education, gender and international development. Which brings us to today. Priya is a founder of PHK Education, a skills-based education hub. Priya has recently launched the first arm of her business as a study skills coach supporting students to achieve their ambitious academic goals, focusing on goal setting, revision skills, memory, motivation, as well as supporting parents with practical advice and guidance. Before I start, I just want to thank Financial Joy Academy, who are sponsoring this episode. Financial Joy Academy, also known as FJA to its family members, and I say family members as the FJA community really are just that. Financial Joy Academy is run by husband and wife team Ken and Mary Okorafor. They offer a private space for action-taking dream makers who want to achieve financial independence. Financial Joy Academy offer a range of courses regardless of where you are on your journey to financial freedom. Together with fellow dream makers, Ken and Mary support and encourage you on your own journey, which is what they've been doing for me for just over a year now through coaching calls and their popular 5am club. For more information, head over to their website to take a look at the recommendations from other dream makers. If you're convinced and want to join our family of dream makers, I have an exclusive link which gives you 15% off your first month. Check the link in the show notes. Financial Joy Academy provides an essential learning for all. We know as educators that learning never stops. Hi Priya, it's so good to have you today and I'm so excited because there is so much that I want to talk to you about and unpick because your journey is just so wide and varied. I mean, anyway, I won't start now because we're going to find out all about it. So before we start, can you just tell us what is it that you're doing right now? Tell us where you are now in your journey. 
No worries. Thank you so much, first of all, Kathleen, for this opportunity to speak to you. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And uh, so a little bit about me. I am now a businesswoman. I have uh, launched my own business called PHK Education. It is a skills-based education hub, and I have just literally launched my first arm of the business, which is um, a study skills coaching program uh, that supports students as well as um, parents as well. And so that's me at this very point. Fantastic. Right. So that's where you are now. So let's rewind (laughs) about, I think it's about 10 to 13 years since you've been in education, isn't it? So can you tell us, like, so how... First of all, how did you get into education and then we can take it from there? Sure, absolutely. So I started, I've probably been a secondary educator for about 15 years or so. I um, trained as a secondary school geography teacher. I was in and out of a few jobs before that. And then I started working and I found this fantastic school and I was uh, there as a long-term supply and then it really just progressed. I kid you not. And I just couldn't find the type of school I was looking for and a a space and opportunity for growth. And this school had it all for me. And when I started at the school, I was, um, as as I said, a long term supply and then went into uh, there was this opportunity for uh, leading uh, Key Stage 3 geography. And then about a year after that, I became a mid leader. That was my first position as um, head of geography and I was head of geography for five years I then was appointed a role there was a role created for me it was a head of humanities role uh, where I was leading history and geography and then after that I was a specialist leader in education and that was uh, the very final point and that's where I um, finished my kind of I guess my career within teaching in a school and worked beyond the classroom now and I finished in 2019 so that's a little kind of whistle-stop tour about of my journey through uh, education. So tell us about those opportunities, um, Priya. So you said that you had many opportunities when you started in your supply school. So how did they come about? Because it is unusual. So it'd be interesting to hear about each step of that journey. Sure. I think, first of all, when I started in this school, I, as I said, I did struggle to find an opportunity um, to find a geography teacher role at one point as well. And I was in and out of of different schools. I was speaking to some recruitment agencies at the time as well. And they did find this particular role for me in this school that I thrived and I worked and progressed as well. And so that's the the way I got into working into this particular school. And I just knew that when I went to this particular school, went to the interview, I loved the team, I loved the fact that I knew that there was um, an opportunity for me for growth as well. And they had me as their best interest. And I love that um, because they listened to me and where I wanted to go as well. And so that for me made me feel part of the community and part of the school. And I knew that I can use my skills and and grow with that and grow over time as well. So that was the, 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 the opportunity for me then. That's how I started out. Mm. Just out of interest, how did you know that they valued you so that you and you felt how how were you made to feel part of the community at that school? I think there was it was just a, if this sounds a bit silly, it sounds like a bit out there, but it was a vibe that I got from them as well. Mm. Um, I went to numerous different interviews before that, but there was something 
that the head of geography at the time, when he spoke to me, he wanted to know a little bit about my journey, what I wanted to do, where my pathway was, my professional development. So he took an interest in, in me within that as well. He did even ask me, you know, why haven't you secured a role before that? Um, so I was, I, I could be a little bit vulnerable and be open and honest in that interview as well. But I must admit that role I had initially was actually a, a long-term geography supply role. So it was, I think I got that role probably after February half term. So there was this one whole term I could also, I guess, see if it worked for me and and work for them as well. But there was something about the vibe of that school I just really enjoyed and also speaking and supporting many, many students as well. So I knew that this was a, a really great place. And of course, loads of colleagues that are now also my friends that I guess it all just kind of pieced together. And that was it for me. So um, what what is the, so you spoke about conversations and the opportunities and, you know, you said mm-hmm. about being heard. So what would you say, because you knew that you were comfortable and you was made to feel part of the community at this school, mm-hmm. what is the one conversation that you instigated that you feel made a big difference in your journey? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me, it was to do with my professional development. At that point, I was still an NQT. I wanted to know that they were able to support me in, in the school as well. And they had a, a great NQT program at the time that I could join. And then thereafter, what else I could support the school? The, the wider community as well. And that was really interesting. So I could ask some of those questions and be part of that community as well. And also with other staff. Mm. Um, and so that was that was really important for me. And I could see that and being able to be, you know, and ask those open and honest questions too. Mm. It sounds like there was at the school that you were at, at the time, that there was no distinction between supply staff and permanent staff. Is that a correct assumption? No, not at, all. not at all. I did. I didn't ever feel that I um, would be labelled or known as a, as a supply staff at the time. I was very much part of the department. I had, you know, great classes that I was teaching, and they kind of just said, I guess they gave me the autonomy mm-hmm. to to lead those classes, teach the classes, and you know, there was curriculum plans and things in place as well but I love the fact that I still had ownership and can deliver those lessons to support the needs of those children in the class so I love that and um, it grew from there as well. Fantastic and I know that you've so as well as working in that school you've had like a like I say a wide and varied career so you've worked in primary and secondary schools but you've also you know gone over to India can you tell us a little bit about India and like what took you there? Yeah, I mean, this, this again was just an opportunity. I had um, two friends of mine who also traveled to India previously, and they knew that my path was, you know, I was interested in working in education and said, you know what, if you have the chance and opportunity, go out there. And I did before I started actually working in this particular school that I, I you know, progressed and moved on as well. I, um, I basically just said, I think I'd like to go to India and try this opportunity of supporting underprivileged children, teaching them English. And so I was out in India for three months. And I thought that that was, you know, three months stint and that's all I would really do. Um, But I loved it. I really did. It was supporting them, the students too. I was learning a lot of 
a lot from them too. And I remember when I when I first arrived, it was a real shock to the system because about the only thing I had was this small blackboard and, and a chalk and a piece of chalk, and that was that. That was all the resources I could have. There was no reprographics, there's none of this. So during my training, it was completely out the window. It's it was um, completely brand new for me. But it was also supporting teachers and communities. And I think for me, whatever I had viewed or seen maybe in the news or read in books and things, I think for me it now came alive and it stuck Mm. in my mind and I just continued to work and support them. So it started off as a stint of three months and then I came back here, back to the UK and I started this role at, at this particular school and within obviously all my leadership roles and things as well. But I continued to work and support the school out in India as well. So whether that was fundraising, whether it was sponsorship, and all of this kind of went in parallel into my work that I was doing um, as a UK educator. And I was then supporting the school remotely wherever I could. And what was really nice, and this is why I'm talking about the vibe between the school as well, that I could share this with my senior leadership team, that they were well aware of the work that I was doing and committing to, that they encouraged me and they supported me. And I remember this one time that I wanted to go to India and I had gone back, I've been back like three, four different times myself to support the school where I could as well. But I had the opportunity to leave a couple of days before the end of term um, ended because of something that I would like to have been participating with as well and so they gave me that time off and I really valued that and and this is what I was saying they valued me as as the person that I was a staff member Mm. at the school and part of that community so that was my journey through India and it and it just progressed I just there was no kind of plan of this it just started out with a thought this would be a great opportunity and it just continued. And I still work with them today. I know through COVID, it's very difficult, but wherever I can support them, um, it's what we do within the charity and um, it's progressed. And now that role has progressed into working for another charity where I'm supporting them as through their Future Girls campaign. This charity is based in Ethiopia. So all of this, mm-hmm. all of these skills, I guess I've developed over time but still use elsewhere as well too and uh, yeah so I've visited quite a few different schools across India over time as well and thoroughly enjoyed it and I think it's just a bit of a I can only describe as a magnet to be honest (laughs) Um, and I think that's probably where I I probably you know will continue to, to to support the children and teachers as best as I can. And when you um, spoke about, you, you know, the journey that you've taken in supporting the schools, you did mention about the plan, like, you know, nothing was planned. So how would you, just advice for others that are listening, what would you say about making plans in your career? Like, you know, what would you yeah. say about that personally? Advice? Yeah. Do you know what? I must admit, even in my first middle leadership role as a head of department, that was never part of the plan then at that point of my career I was very young Mm. I think I might have been 25 when I was appointed that role and then I started that role when I was 26 so I was you know I didn't have the experience as such but the senior leadership team knew that I was already doing some of that role already and planning was never part of it it just never was part of the plan 
India was never part of the plan. Um, starting my business, by the way, there's another theme. It was never part of the plan. But it, what I must admit, it was, it was, it was, um, it was a bit of an instinct, I guess. I it was a drive and ambition that I had towards it. And um, some, I guess, some sometimes some people might even say, like colleagues of mine said, oh, you know, I I feel like your next part of your career could be senior leadership. But I never wanted to 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 go towards that. And so that didn't really, really kind of pull me towards those roles. But I just knew that I still wanted to, I guess, work with students so and work with teachers. But being and having a plan, sometimes it doesn't always work the way maybe you intended it to be, or sometimes it might be some surprises there. But the biggest thing was the opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. And it was lovely that I was guided, but I had a really, you know, supportive team that I worked with and and I could be vulnerable. So I think sometimes that was really important for me to be able to, to, to support me on that plan and see where that journey would go. Mm, sounds like you were at a really supportive school, especially like for you to say that you felt that you could be vulnerable because we know that sometimes in schools it's almost like seen as a weakness to be vulnerable and to kind of show who you really are or what growth um, pathways you want to take because like you said you were quite young and I know that in some schools it's kind of not frowned upon I think that's the wrong word but almost as if you have to do the years before you you get to the next run of the ladder as such but you know you've proven that that is not necessarily true and so Really, from talking to you and knowing your story, there are many risks that you've taken. So <laughs> can you tell us about some of the risks that you've taken in the, your career? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest risk will have to be um, me resigning in 2019. I would probably say that I sometimes can have it. I know that we've just discussed not having a plan or what that plan is like, but I kind of knew that if if the next kind of middle leader role or something that came up I would go for that as well but not having a plan at all after 2019 I think really shocked a lot of people and I think the attitudes of other people I think um, you know you could tell like I think when I left in 2019 and I handed in my resignation I started to share that with friends and colleagues Um, one colleague said to me you know this doesn't really sound like you at all you know have you won the lottery and not told us about this Priya so that was really interesting and really funny. And I said that on, on my leaver speech as well. But I, you know, as I said to you, I had I had my UK educator role. And then in parallel, I'm working in India and supporting the schools there. All of this merged together in 2016 when I embarked on doing my master's. And that was in education, gender and international development. So it's okay. very different to what I'm doing in the UK schools. I loved my MA. I really did. It was really hard, obviously, working full time and doing uh, the MA part time as well. But you know what? When I said to you about the magnet, it was something that was really drawing me more towards the international development work, but still working in education. So I think for me, I must admit, when I visited in 2018, for my ma- for my master's dissertation, I had to do, I wanted to do a primary research and I knew I wanted to do this in India, but I had to go and, you know, find a school other than the work I've been working with in beforehand as well. And I got to this one school, I visited probably about eight, six to eight schools, I think in a really short space of time. And this particular school was 
kind of it was a pr- quite a remote school. It was out in the middle of nowhere. You had to get a night bus to this particular school and where this where this location was. Immediately when I when I met the students at this particular school, and it was an outreach school, and the communities, something just drew me straight away. I was like, I would love to interview and support these communities and be part of my primary research. And so that was that. And I must admit, I was really torn when I came back mm. to the UK because now I couldn't place myself anymore. I'm like, I've, I've just, basically, I couldn't ignore the communities, the conversations, working with children, the, the, the teachers, everything I had seen and envisioned. Um, and these were tribal communities as well. So in terms of, I don't know if you know, but the social structure within India tribal communities are generally the lowest and so they are forgotten communities these communities have no uh form of formal education at any time especially these children i I had um, connected with and parents too so i was really torn so when i handed in my resignation and again because of the team that i that i had with the senior leadership team especially my head teacher he knew I guess the progression, I don't know, maybe I'm putting words into his mouth, but he probably might have gone, it's just when she would have handed in her resignation. Because Um. I was really torn between what I was kind of doing. I was still doing my work here and loving this and still doing that. I couldn't forget what was going on there. And I had Mm. to make this decision because also this is a conversation I was having with my family. And I didn't speak to a lot of people. I kept this quite private with with some of my family members because I think that was important that if I was making this big decision, they knew the best interest of where I was going as well and could understand my path. And so they they just fully supported me in this. And I said, I'm going to do this. And um, so handed it in. And I didn't regret, I don't regret this decision at all. I know through the pandemic, there's been lots of ups and downs. And honestly, I thought I might have to go back. It's It's not a, I don't feel like a, you know, a failure if I did or had to go back but I knew for me that chapter in 2019 had firmly closed for me and mm-hmm. the thing I think for me is that I supported children and teachers through teacher training and lots of different capacities I, I supported within education the question for me then was how do I still do this I still knew I wanted to work in education but how could I do this when I left in 2019 so the only mm. part of my plan, should I say, was August 2019, where that was just submitting the final part of my dissertation. And then it was a bit of a question mark. And that it was really weird for some of my friends and colleagues to know, well, what are you going to do next? And I said, I'm just going to kind of figure this out. I had a few networks and connections and warm contacts that I could work and get some short term work with. But other than that, I think I was just ready to explore and learn. And I just, um, I, I took this opportunity because I could and pleased with this journey. And so now off I'm going and still learning at this point. <laughs> Fantastic. So, right. So you're on this journey then. So what is life like <laughs> after resigning? So how have you transitioned from school into business life? Yes. What a journey this has been. And you know what? It has, it's not been it's not been linear at all mm. I, as I said I, this was never part of the plan being being part of having my own business and calling myself you know a businesswoman now but first of all I had this opportunity from about October November till about March 
to basically work in different schools and supporting teachers and international teachers. And that was great. Mm. So I had loads of experience working in lots of different schools, because to be honest, for the best part of my career, I've been in one school. So this was great. And then the other part was I never worked in primary schools. So I worked in primary schools as a supply teacher, loved Mm -hmm. it. And let me tell you, the biggest thing for me I learned is actually it takes a lot more to take children from uh, their seats to the carpet because I was an, it was an absolute <laughs> disaster for so many times. and I taught students from year one right the way up until year six wow um so this is great I loved it so now March hit we all know this was pandemic this was closed you know everything had closed all the schools had closed my work had closed mm. and and you know what was I going to do next so I was I was really quite worried. I won't, won't deny that. I just wasn't sure what I was going to offer and give. I had a lot more time behind the desk, so I connected with people where I could, whether it was through LinkedIn. But I got to know about a lot of people's journey and what they were doing on their roles. But there was still a conflict within me about what do I want to offer? And there was almost this, it's quite interesting, your podcast being voicing education, but there was a little voice in me going, I just want to give this a go with something like I literally started with little education videos or something like that that I could offer but the problem was is like like who am I helping am I helping students or am I helping teachers I didn't know what I was and I was getting so confused and I was getting quite frustrated and then one thing I invested and I would always say that this was so fantastic for me was career coaching and I I invested in career coaching and it wasn't like, you know, at the end of it, I was just going to get this job or whatever it was in clarity. I was having conversations with somebody, by the way, she was placed in New York. She was not in in working in education, but she asked me some really great poignant questions that helped me to start thinking about maybe this entrepreneurial kind of side of me. She, she picked out something I didn't realize I was doing is through my dialogue. Mm. And she said to me, why do you keep saying I should be, I should be doing this? I feel like you're creating a boundary for yourself. And I said, I, I didn't realize I was doing that. And then she even said another thing. She goes, well, if you want to help teachers, you can. And you can also help parents if you want to do it. Or you can also help children. And I just That's was like, oh, okay. For me, I was just muddled. I was muddled because and that was causing me frustration. But then something was just starting to layering, maybe through the capacity when I was tutoring as well. And I was also tutoring to that. Parents were still coming up to me and saying, my child needs support in this other than obviously supporting them in in geography. And then finding that there was still an area that I could support students as well as parents with. And then I started to go with this kind of study skills program that I wanted to offer Mm how to learn more effectively and revision skills. And I know some of this is is talked about in schools, but sometimes curriculum time does take a lot of of, of time within this as well. And so I just knew that there was a bit more of a niche that I could offer. And then I started to read and research more. And I had already done this beforehand within um, my capacity as an SLE. And so I just started to figure out this pathway a little bit more. And then I started to do YouTube clips and then, you know, Instagram and all of this started to kind of, I don't know what was going on, but I just kept learning YouTube as an absolute saviour because I was learning more from them. And I think for me, it just started to piece together 
and it just evolved. Mm. And I, you know, the one thing is that I enjoy, I was really enjoying this journey. It didn't have to be like this massive business, business strategy that maybe you might have had to have, but I was just trying things out. So, so then I think, to be honest, from about December to now, I've now got something that never existed this time last year. And it's my study skills coaching program. And, and then now I've built up my social media profile and my presence. I never was like this beforehand and creating content that I can share. And I've launched a framework within this coaching program. And this was just, okay, I need to be doing this. I need to working on this. And it was a bit all over the place, I must admit, but it started to kind of piece together. And it was that piecing Mm. together, I just started to evolve and see where it was going. And I guess that was me, you know, if you mirror that as a leader, you know, within within education as a middle leader, I was just evolving and going through that. So the same thing Mm. within within uh, my business too. But do you know what? I'm thoroughly enjoying it, having business meetings and offering what I can to, to parents and students too and, and enjoying those conversations too. And I speak very passionately about that to to parents and students and I think that comes off and that yeah. helps them to know that, you know, I can still offer those eureka moments for those students as well. Yeah, and I just want to say as well that I find your videos very, very engaging because I've said this to you before, like your videos are not like the standard ones that you see on Instagram. So if anyone, well, after you've listened to this, do go and check out her Instagram page because it's fantastic. Her (laughs) videos are very quirky, catchy and get straight to the point. So do go and have a look because I think your style is, is different and it's quirky, but you just get the message across quite clearly and concisely. So I, I like that because throughout Thank everything you. that you're doing, I can see that you are generally just being you. And I think that um, is the mm-hmm. key really throughout your whole journey is that you are clearly just being yourself. And I think that's something to be commended because not everyone has the courage to do that really. So I just want to celebrate that with you, Priya. So Thank you so much. I really okay so why would you say the work that you're doing now is valuable absolutely I think the work that I do is 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 valuable because I'm supporting students and as well as parents too and that was really valuable for me because I know that with students it wasn't just about the content anymore but it's more about sustainable learning practicing lifelong learning that we that we all are we are lifelong learners and so I wanted to ensure that our students or or students that I'm supporting and coaching have the skills that they can build amend and and deliver and support and provide them with confidence that they can use within their studies so it could be anything from how to revise effectively how to use their time effectively it's not about telling them what to do, but it's about coaching and supporting them and listening to them and guiding them where is those pressure points and those pain points that they're facing. The other side of it, and the reason my coaching program also supports parents too, is because I knew that there was a capacity that I'm not telling parents how to be parents. And that's not what I'm, I'm trying, kind of tweaking a little bit more about maybe giving some a guide or some support where they can maybe tweak some of their practices to help their child a little bit too. So I'm offering that support 
that can make maybe that dialogue between their child and themselves, I guess, better for, for their for any child's, you know, academic journey as well. And let's just be honest, I think the last couple of years have been so tricky for students as well and families too, that, you know, yeah. some of them haven't really sat formal examinations. Um but providing that support and guidance for them is, is is really valuable. And that's, you know, kind of purpose within education. And I feel very confident and proud of what I've produced, that I can still create those positive education gains for the learners, but also support parents too, as well. Mm, the two go hand in hand. Okay, so you spoke about working with pupils and working with the parents. So how does that work? Do you work with pupils individually and then work with the parents separately? Or do you work with the families together? Really good question. So what I do is I support students on a one to one basis. And then there is this opportunity where I can support parents as well. So depending upon what type of package that they're interested in. So it could be like, half an hour support that they that's included within their package that that, that they would love to have and, and that just gives an opportunity for them to say well maybe I've had three sessions with the student and this is what I've I've noticed and maybe mm. this is how that they can support them or is there something that they're feeling or quite anxious about as a parent that maybe I can support them too so with the parent it's definitely one-to-one as well but also I offer that kind of flexibility within the coaching program that it can be with the parent and student but it's not for me to make it feel like a parent's evening it's nothing like that it's it's for Mm. them to feel supported during that time specifically as well too so it it has that flexibility and 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 I guess tailored support that that student or that parent would love to have during that time as well. Sounds like some really powerful work. And you spoke about your kind of purpose. So in a nutshell, could you just tell us what is your driving purpose for education, Priya? With all of the range of experiences that you have, what is your drive? I I just knew that I wanted to offer something of value that I knew that I guess, and I talked about this before, those light bulb eureka moments that I think what spurs me on was teachers that have inspired me Mm. and the power of education that probably from maybe family may have not had that opportunity, but I've got this opportunity and, and and what I can offer and give back to others as well. And it just grew over time. And, you know, watching students when you know they opt to pick a subject at GCSE let's say you know obviously geography Mm. and then they opt to pick it at A level because they really thoroughly enjoyed the course at GCSE and then you know they opt to pick it then at at at, as an undergraduate course and you know the cherry on the top has probably been when they become geography teachers so you know Mm. you're part of that journey um, and I love that and I think it becomes a bit of a magnet, doesn't it, really? You just want to keep offering that support and guidance um, to them yeah, as well. And like also, it. you know, I guess, why else does people want to to be in a work in education? I think for some of those same reasons, to have got that passion and drive to help students as well as other teachers as well. Fantastic. And in all of that, then, what would you say that leadership means to you? You know, Depends what what we, we I had a very different image of leadership when um, before I became a leader. That's for sure. Um, oh, tell us about that. You then. know what I I think sometimes sometimes we feel like they they know all the answers mm-hmm. or you know 
it's it's one of those kind of aspects, I guess, that, you know, you have to have heaps of experience to become a leader. So those are probably some of my presumptions before that, too. So being a leader, I must admit, is one of those things is having a vision and a goal. Sometimes that has to be amended over time, of course, mm. as well. I don't know. I don't know all the answers. So I know within my within my team that there is a skill set there and knowing that skill set for them too, providing them a voice and an opportunity and a pathway for them to develop and move on as well, because that's clearly really important as well. I'm, as I said, probably not going to know all the answers um, as well. And I can seek support and guidance from others too. It's okay to take a risk. Oh, yeah. In leadership. I've done that numerous times. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes some of those risks, if especially within mid-leadership, are going to be unpopular. We're going to make um, having to have some difficult conversations. That's mm. part and parcel of it too. But, you know, I thoroughly enjoy learning from others as well. And that's really important mm. from other mid-leaders too. So leadership is, is a whole amalgamation of different qualities. But you know what? it's also part of enjoying that journey too and learning process. So that's, yeah. that's, that's how I feel about leadership. Yeah. Fantastic. That's a great, great answer. Hmm. Lots of points to, to think about in that. And, it, in, and I suppose another thing, just to build on that, because so that's leadership in schools, but would you say now that you've started your own business, that the leadership has changed slightly or would you say the same sort of attitudes or skills that you have brought that into your business? So could you tell us a little bit about how you lead yourself? How, how what, mm. what is leadership for you now as a businesswoman? Well, do you know what? There's no kind of, I guess, structure like there would be a school timetable. You don't have to be there at a certain time. So you have to set your own timetable, your own goals of what you want to do and everything else as well. So I start my morning very early because I know that works well for me in terms of reading research in the morning and, and whatever other things I've got to do. But I have I have figured out that being your own boss, you, you don't have a rigid timetable. So there is that fluid, but also you have to make sure that I guess you're productive, but sometimes to be okay with yourself and say it's not a great so productive day and and to to be quite kind with yourself as well. I've also noticed that this journey and this path, I know that previously I talked about leadership, that I guess within leadership, being a middle leader, you've got other colleagues and, you know, you've got your team that you can support and and be supported by too. But entrepreneurship and, and, and being a businesswoman is quite lonely not everyone is going to get it. That even includes close friends sometimes as well. And and that's okay. Like, you know, I'm just kind of figuring this out as well. And I think for me, using that time is it's just how it works best for you and where the needs are. So sometimes I've had to say, right, I know that this time is going to be for creating social media content. This time is for this time. But because there's no time as such, you're working all the time as well sometimes yeah. too. So for me as, as a leader, there are still some of the same attributes. I think sometimes it can be a bit of a, a lonelier kind of conversation or dialogue that you can have. But what I have started to know is that there are um, communities as well that that I'm starting to join and, and uh, evolve and be part of as well. So that's lovely mm-hmm. 
YouTube. And again, I'm not going to know all the answers again. And YouTube is great. So I've learned <laughs> loads from YouTube. <laughs> and how to do certain things, um, you know, web developing and all of this is, is it's all completely brand new. And if anything, if anyone is, you know, listening in and thinking that, you know, I would love to try this, but I often say that for me, it didn't work out the first time round, not the second, probably not even the third. And and you know what? That's okay. Just keep practicing and trying. And that's what I kept doing. If you want to see some of my very first YouTube clips, they're not even posted up. <laughs> they're absolutely dire. But <laughs> you have to start somewhere. And um, yeah, I think you have to. Well, I had to do this thing of seeing my face on screen, really, and getting over that. And um, yeah, but it's enjoyed that journey definitely. Yeah, there's a reason why I've opted for a podcast and not YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> Give it time, Give it time. <laughs> yes, small steps, small steps. <laughs> um, when you're talking there about communities and people that you draw inspiration from, so what resources would you say that has helped you along the journey? So what resources have you used to help you? First of all, I would always say like, warm contacts there is some really lovely I mean along my journey just at the right time I just um I'd spoken to the right people or I connected to the right people and that really helped me you know as I've mentioned before I know we might laugh about it but YouTube has been fantastic mm-hmm. LinkedIn has also been a really fantastic platform I don't think I don't know how many educators may use LinkedIn as much mm-hmm. Um, I didn't use it throughout my career and I kind of regret that actually. I think there is a really great platform support. I know that as an SLE, I support, uh, I supported many within the same borough, but actually you can work quite widely within, uh, you know, a different network as well through LinkedIn. So that's been a really great resource. Mm-hmm. Reading materials, I guess, that aren't always business related as well. That's always quite nice. And mm-hmm. I think also having some time out for yourself is really valuable too and giving yourself mm. that space as well brilliant thank you right so how can listeners connect with you online great question well you can definitely connect with me um throughout through instagram if you want to or facebook it's two social media platforms so um my instagram page is phk underscore education or phk education on uh, facebook uh, you can always find me on LinkedIn through just through my name, Priya Kara, as well. So there's a couple of platforms that you can find me on as well and uh, look forward to connecting with anyone too and supporting them, if, especially if they're on their own journey and pathway and would uh, love some support. I'm always there to, to help others as well. Oh, how nice. That's so nice. So yeah, do go and connect. I'll put the details in the show notes for you to refer to. Right. So we're coming to the end. And at the end, I asked you three deep dive statements and a random question. So the idea of this is that you keep it quite quick and punchy. So okay, being successful means just giving it a go and not always uh, having a plan all the time and, and focusing on that plan. That's what it means for me. Fantastic. So taking risks are beneficial because? Because you never know what the outcome is going to be. And that can be quite scary, but can be uh, really interesting too. And so sometimes the risk can far outweigh what you think as well. So definitely give it a go within reason as well. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, within reason, you're absolutely right. (laughs) 
my mission is to the biggest mission for me is is still to contribute positively through education whether that is supporting parents children or teachers and I believe that you can do it's an and not an or and I think I've realized that through my journey and my pathway and that's where I want to continue to do that wherever my pathway will lead in the future but that's that's my mission is to continue to do that and help and inspire others at the same time too fantastic great mission great great mission right the last one is a question so one morning you wake up in the body of the education secretary what is the one thing that you would ensure you action or begin to take action towards very good question you know what? <laughs> if I was currently the education secretary do you know what I'd be doing listening more to others listening more to educators that is so key and so important right now because we're not the other side we are we can work together but listen to us listen to what's going on um on the front line a little bit more as well because i truly believe that we can we can support each other much more than it has doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be what it currently is and what statements are probably given sometimes as well yeah that's so good I love the way that you said um you're not on the other side so it's that connection Mm -hmm. isn't it being like you said on the forefront absolutely Absolutely. actually seeing what's happening in schools and Mm -hmm. actually then making a decision based on what's really happening great answer so we've come (laughs) to the end thank you so much Priya I mean there's (laughs) so much more I could have asked you so so you know I mean I would love to have you back on the um, podcast if you're willing to come back because there's so much, so much more that I would just want to dig deeper into and find out a bit more about your journey. So you said that you've launched your new offer. So do you want to quickly just tell us about this before we end? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Kathleen. It's been a real pleasure. So proudly, I have launched my first part of my business. Um, It's called PHK Education it's an education skills-based hub. I've launched my first part, which is the coaching part of my business, which is study skills, supporting students as well as parents too. Fantastic. So go and check her out on any of the Instagram channels, Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks Priya. Nice talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were inspired and gained some insights which can help you as you progress on your journey. Do share your key takeaways on social media and let people know what resonated with you. Remember to tag me. I'd love to see your thoughts and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you for being here. Until our next episode, be safe, be well, but most importantly, keep growing. Remember, there is power in your voice and it all starts with a conversation.